Welcome to Legal Finance Insights, the podcast that takes you inside the legal finance industry. I'm your host, Pip Murphy, CEO of the Association of Litigation Funders of Australia. Join me as I interview key players, uncover the latest trends, and provide invaluable tips and tricks to accessing, obtaining, and using legal finance. We hope that Legal Finance Insights becomes your go-to resource for enhancing and improving your understanding of the legal finance industry. Thank you for joining us today for the next Legal Finance Insights podcast. We hope you've enjoyed the first three episodes, in particular hearing from Maya Shalita of Balance Legal Capital on the 101 of legal finance and Brendan Reid of Cortamentha on the rise of cyber claims in Australia. In today's episode, we're speaking with Heather Rubenstein, who is the Director of Class Actions and Funded Litigation at Law & Order. Heather has over 15 years' experience in technical sales and marketing and channel development. At Law & Order, Heather works with key client accounts and also leads Law & Order's litigation funding initiative, which is a risk-sharing program for litigation funders and one of the main topics for today. Through the litigation funding initiative, Law & Order supports greater access to justice in the class action space and they offer a suite of litigation support services for class actions run by law firms in Australia. Welcome to the podcast, Heather. Thanks, Pip. Can you please tell us a little bit about yourself and about Law & Order to get started? I'm sure what you'll notice first about my background is that I'm not a lawyer. Most of my background is in tech, so finding tech-based solutions for business problems. And that actually is a lot of what we do at Law & Order. If you're part of the legal community in Australia, you'll definitely know Law & Order. The company started over 20 years ago, which is about how long I've been in Australia. Back then, we were mainly focused on document production, printing court books, uplifting subpoenas, etc. And over time, we've evolved into the digital space. Our late director, Paul Goodrick, was a real visionary. He brought the Relativity e-discovery platform to the Australian market. And today we're a gold partner with Relativity. We work really closely with them on uh, a range of development projects and also collaborate with them to support our law firm clients. And our chief digital officer, Murali Badula, carries on this digital focus that Paul started back in 2005. Murali and his team, they're they're amazing. They've developed so many technical tools in-house that what we've done is packaged those up and we now license that package to law firms and also to other e-discovery platform providers. So we're really embedded in the legal tech space, which is what I love. There's absolutely no doubt that Law & Order is well known in the legal industry for both document production and also the legal tech that you've just talked about. I mean, I've personally been using your services in both of these areas over the last 20 years or so, from producing hard copies and e-briefs for counsel, e-court books, assisting with running virtual trials. And I found the services and the staff easy to use, and they've been critical to the success of running any case that I've been involved in. So can you tell us how you have found working with lawyers and funders? 
Well, I can say that I was very apprehensive at first. I didn't know a lot of lawyers when I first started, and I didn't have any experience with the legal system at all. So all of my perceptions about lawyers and what they did, it all came from television. So I thought that all lawyers were argumentative and hard-charging, confrontational. But what I found was exactly the opposite. My clients are so generous with their time and their knowledge, and they're really warm, supportive people. And I feel I can support them as well. You know, with the volume of data involved in litigation today, that tech component of legal work is really core to successful litigation. That's why you have a lot of firms setting up their own in-house tech teams. Um, But, you know, that's mostly at the larger firms. A lot of the smaller and mid-range firms don't have this capability. And for them, we work almost as an extension of their internal legal teams. So we've got an end-to-end model. You mentioned a lot of it before, where we can essentially do literally everything up to the point of providing legal advice. So e-discovery is generally where I get called in. This is a a process where you're dealing with large amounts of data. You might have emails, documents, and you're interrogating that data for what's relevant to your matter. We've devised a number of reasonable and defensible methods to manage this volume of data. So we use a number of AI-based strategies to get to the relevant information, and we are able, using this technology, to do that very quickly. Document review often flows from that. So we've got teams of legally trained reviewers who can do first-level document review. And by first-level, what I mean is um, privilege, confidentiality, relevance, we can tag for issues. And then our team will pass that work to the law firm for their professional second-level review. And then if you're going to trial, as you mentioned, we have a range of services to support you. We can move your documents from an e-discovery platform directly into the shared online court book that you'll need. We can help you present evidence in court and organize all the tech for hearings. So you might have remote witnesses. You might need to do uh, webcasting. We can do all of that tech work for you. And we routinely support matters globally. So our team travel all over the world, providing support for overseas mediation and arbitration proceedings. So as you said, outsourcing work to us really helps law firms get through their matters more quickly, and it's much more cost-effective for their clients. So litigation funders are just that one step removed from the day-to-day case management of a matter. So how did you come to meet and be involved with litigation funders? Well, not being a lawyer, when I first started with Law & Order, I had a steep learning curve. So I talked to everyone, everyone in the whole legal ecosystem. I talked to lawyers, technical support at law firms, uh, operations managers, financial managers. It got to the point that my kids described my job as having coffee with people. (laughs) (laughs) But I think the fact that I came into this job you know, really with no previous experience in this environment, it really allowed me to listen and think about things in a different way. So when I started talking to litigation funders. My first revelation was that investment managers know what we do. They already know what we do. 
So most of them knew exactly how much our services cost, how we invoice. They were very familiar with law and order. So I thought working with litigation funders should be a natural extension for us. Funders are essentially consumers of legal services. Um, they consume both the professional legal services of a law firm and all the litigation support services that surround that. And that's what we provide. So as we progressed these discussions with the funders, I started thinking about how can we align ourselves with the goals of the funders that we're talking to. And sharing the risk with them really seemed like the best way to do that. So that leads nicely to what is essentially the main topic for today. Can you talk a little bit about how you do actually share the risk with litigation funders through that litigation funding initiative? Litigation funders obviously operate in a high-risk environment. It's, it's all or nothing. So if the funder is involved in a matter that wins, they get their award plus costs. If they lose, they lose everything from the cost of due diligence that they did at the start through the costs of running the matter month to month, any security for costs, adverse event insurance premiums, it's all at risk for them. So the model we developed is it's different from a typical service provider relationship. Essentially, we share the risk with a funder and also with the law firm running the matter. And most importantly for class actions, we share the risk with the plaintiff group members. So when I say we share the risk, we're we're serious about sharing the risk. This is how we do it. We defer 50% of our fees pending a successful outcome of the matter. So each month, we send the law firm an invoice for whatever support we've given them, less 50%. So it might be for their e-discovery platform or document review services through our team in India, printing court books, virtual hearing support. All of our services are included in this 50% deferment. So we're all in, in the same way that the funder is. So if the matter's successful, we recoup whatever fees we've deferred plus an uplift. If it's not successful, we forfeit everything we've deferred. So there's no time limit. We defer fees for as long as it takes, and we know it might be years. So it's really similar to the risk that many law firms take as well when they engage a funder. So they'll often defer part of their fees pending a successful resolution. So, you know, we're really in the boat with you. And I've been told that's a very American saying, (laughs) but we are, we're in the boat with you. And I think that's a really critical element of this initiative. Now, I should also say that for class actions, we don't require an uplift on our deferred fees. So can you explain a little bit behind that, the reasons why you don't ask for an uplift on on those fees? Sure. Class actions are, they're different. Um, When you have a commercial matter, all of the parties, can look at the terms and agree to the deferment and the uplift. But with a group of plaintiffs in a class action, it's difficult to get to a place where all of the group members understand the terms and are comfortable with our uplift coming from their eventual award. We know that it benefits the plaintiffs to have another party, in addition to the funder and the law firm, another party who's willing to take on risk so that their matter can proceed, so that they can seek justice. 
this. But when we get to the end of the matter, you know, it might be years down the road. There are going to be group members who weren't around at the start. They might not understand that a litigation support organization like Law and Order is also getting an uplift and it's coming out of their award. So we decided that for class actions, we would just do a simple deferment of fees for as long as it takes to get to a successful outcome. And that's really in the interest of access to justice. So that's fantastic. But isn't that a lot of risk to take on? What happens if there's not a positive outcome at the end of the day? If there's not a positive outcome, we do forfeit all the fees we've deferred. And that that is a huge risk that we take on. But we feel that it's an acceptable risk. We know the funders that we work with put these matters through a very comprehensive due diligence assessment. So if the funder is confident and they're happy to fund the matter, we know it has a good chance of success. So we feel that working with the funders actually uh, limits our risk in this particular area. So I think for funders, one of the benefits is that it reduces the cash they have to spend on running the matter day to day. Mm -hmm. Yes, the feedback we've received is that this type of arrangement will reduce the cost of funding the matter from month to month, which in turn reduces the cost of capital required for that matter. And that means that more matters can potentially be funded. But more importantly, it supports the funder's ability to pull high-value matters into their portfolio when they're in competitive situations with other funders. We've also heard that it can be a real advantage for law firms when they're arguing for carriage of the matter. So, you know, if you assume that two competing law firms have similar capabilities, similar legal strategies, if you add another player who's also willing to take on risk with no downside to the plaintiffs, it's an obvious advantage for them in that beauty contest, beauty pageant scenario. Over and above the deferment of fees, plaintiffs, you know, sometimes they don't benefit from running services like e-discovery and first-level review through a law firm. In a lot of cases, we can perform these functions for far less, and that's good for the plaintiffs. We can get the job done really quickly. And, you know, in some class actions, that speed makes a real difference for the individuals involved. That's absolutely true. Can you also tell the listeners of this podcast about some of the other things that you're working on at the moment? Sure. We're being asked now to participate really in every step of the process. So one area that stands out is the use of tech-enabled analysis of documents as part of the funder's due diligence. So the funder may not be expecting discovery until months after filing, but for some matters, technology can help the funder evaluate if the matter has merit you know, if there's enough evidence to take it forward. This is especially applicable in the insolvency space where you might have a liquidator, for example, who might have a room full of documents, a server full of emails and contracts, and you're really looking for that smoking gun. Because we're a bureau service, we can manage both components of that search. So we can manage the hard copy documents as well as the digital data. We can put all of it together in a platform and help you search for what you're looking for with a really high degree of precision. So once you know you have that evidence, you can start to evaluate the other factors in the risk profile for that matter. So, you know, legal merits, recoverability, et cetera. And our work in the due diligence phase 
carries through to any litigation that might follow, obviously. So this work in the due diligence phase of a project um, is also part of our risk sharing agreements. And then when we're further into the e-discovery process, we're seeing law firms starting to um, really outsource that first level document review to us. We have a team in India who are legally qualified reviewers. We set everything up, the AI-enabled tech, the review process, and our team gets that first level review done and dusted just in no time. And it's so much less expensive to outsource this work to our team rather than having it done in-house at a law firm. So I think for litigation funders in particular, getting the budget right is so important that outsourcing really has to be considered. And it's not just about getting the job done cheaply. When we set up an expert team for you, they're a tight-knit group. You know, they know the platform. They do the project together with solid leadership. So you actually get a more consistent result in the end as compared to what you might get if you divide the work between multiple people at your firm. And those people might also have other responsibilities and are working this in in between those. So working with us is, is faster, obviously, and you can move the matter along more quickly. And I should also mention that the law firm doesn't need to give up any commercial advantages of doing the work in-house. We often second our reviewers to the firm. So they operate similar to any in-house support, juniors, etc. So that secondment is, uh, is a really good option for the law firm. Yeah, and I can see the real benefit there as you're talking about that, particularly for smaller firms that perhaps don't have the resourcing that's needed at times when cases get to that discovery phase. Yeah, it's it really works well for the smaller to mid-range firms. Well, thanks so much, Heather. Can you let the listeners know how they could get in touch with you if they're interested in talking some more about these sorts of issues? Sure. Happy for you to reach out to me at Law & Order. So it's heather.rubenstein at lawandorder.com or send us an inquiry through any of our channels. You can send us an inquiry through a website. And if you mention that you're a litigation funder or that you have a funded matter, the query will definitely come to me. And you can also connect with me on LinkedIn. Thank you very much for your time today, Heather. Thanks, Pip. It was great being here. Hi there. That's a wrap for the Legal Insights podcast for today. We hope you have picked up some useful tips and tricks and enjoyed listening to all things legal finance. If you want to continue the conversation, please reach out via email or via the website, associationoflitigationfunders.com.au. We would love to discuss what you are seeing in the legal finance industry and what we can do to enhance and improve it together. Thanks for listening and tune in next week for another fabulous conversation.